What's going on? You are now tuned in to No One Watches Regular News No More Podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Bogar. This is episode 15, Voter or Die, plus a clause. All right, so let's get into the first story. SNL host Bill Burr divide fans after controversial opening monologue. All right, so Bill Burr caused quite the stir of the... Um, and a lot of people was upset with his opening monologue on SNL. So the comedian hosted the second episode of the season using a portion of his opening monologue to make statements about white women uh, who somehow hijacked the woke movement. Bird described the woke movement as one revolving around people of color not getting opportunities that they deserve. It was unclear whether he was talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. All right, so somehow, uh, and this is what he said, somehow white women swung their Gucci-booted feet over the fence of oppression and stuck themselves at the front of the line, Burr said. He added that he had never heard so much complaining in my life from white women. And, of course, people took offense to this. Uh, a lot of people were offended by it. Um, my life is so hard, my SUV, my heated seats, you have no idea what it's like to be me. Bird went on. He then questioned the length of Pride Month in June, asking the audience if a month is a little long, don't you think? Fans quickly took to Twitter, some even making some statements about Burr for being insensitive in the way he addressed the racism and the LGBTQ pride in his in his opening monologue. So in the uh, he also compare you know pride month to uh, black history month saying that you know black people get the worst of the months you know it's cold it's bad weather you know and then uh pride month is in june it's a very hot month it's sunny weather is hardly any, any bad weather in this month so you know i found it very funny um one user called it the worst possible to tackle these topics um and we're living in in the age now to where people don't if you say something that makes them feel uncomfortable, they feel some kind of way. I've seen this online personally. If any anytime you say something that makes someone uncomfortable, they tend to get emotional about it. And that's now that's a normal thing because people no longer can take a joke. Like Bill Burr is a comedian, he tells jokes. Unfortunately now it's the kind of joke that you tell that could get you in trouble. Other users praised the comedian, uh, calling his comments about white women a perfect joke. Again, he's a comedian, he jokes, this is what he does. Um, if you take it personal, it's because maybe the joke has some kind of truth to it. I love that Bill Burr made a perfect joke about white women making everything about us, and then a bunch of white women on Twitter lost their minds because they think it was a mean joke, thus proving his point, she wrote. So they think it's a mean joke that he shouldn't have uh, that he shouldn't have said, but he's a comedian. He's gonna he's going to step on toes. Another uses uh, praise Bird for speaking the truth about white women and their and their activism. So again, um, when you look at Bill Burr, what he said is it, very controversial. Uh, it really stepped on people's toes. They got it in their feelings, their emotions about it. Um, this is normal. Whenever you say something to anybody that's 
can trigger a, a feeling because what you said has some truth to it. And Bill Burr is this is his art. He's a comedian. It's like an actor, uh, a music, a musician. Um, this is the art. So they should be allowed to express themselves in the art a certain way. And if you get offended by what they're doing, so be it. But I like the fact that Bill Burr didn't hold back and uh, he was just very honest about what he's seeing and what's going on right now in society. So, you know, my hats off to Bill Burr for kind of being not afraid to say what's on his mind and if you got offended it's a telltale sign of you know this it might be some truth to it when you look at black lives matter when you look at pride month whatever it's almost like if you're black you always get the short end of the stick and then in your movement whatever movement you have you have to be inclusive not exclusive you have to include people in your movement and if you do, your deem is a bad person, you know, um, they look at you as a, in a certain way. So, again, hats off to Bill Burr for speaking his mind, for not being afraid to tell these jokes, especially in a time like this where people are extremely, extremely emotional about certain things. They are sensitive. So, hats off to Bill Burr for not being afraid to speak his mind on SNL. All right, so moving on to the next story, 6ix9ine declares there's no difference between him and Tupac, says Tupac was still loved after being convicted in the past. Now, I kind of understand what 6ix9ine is saying. Now, 6ix9ine is in no comparison to Tupac. Um, when Tupac first started off, he was an actor. He was known for acting and uh, rapping, so he was good at that. So he was not really into gangster rap. Now, that changed once he became a member of Death Row. You saw that Tupac completely change uh, his style, how he rapped, what he talked about. Uh, his lyrics became more explicit. Um, he incorporated, you know, some violence in his lyrics. Now, 6 now is trying to say that basically uh, when Tupac was convicted of rape, people still loved him. Well, I was convicted of snitching. Why can't people accept me for who I am and be done with it? So in rap music, uh, if you're seen as a, in hip hop, if you're seen as a rat or a snitch, uh, it shines a negative light on who you are. And therefore, people don't want to be associated with a rat or a snitch. Uh, this is just common lingo and language that is used in the underground world among, you know, criminals people who commit crimes if you're in a gang the mafia etc etc um and you want and you don't want secrets to get out and then you tell secrets uh, you're seen as a rat or a snitch so 6ix9ine is seen in this light uh, what's the difference between the the uh the legend hip-hop superstar Tupac Shakur and the rapper 6ix9ine who is very controversial of today Ask anyone, they will give a laundry list of differences. According to 6ix9ine, there is no difference. The rapper real name, Daniel Hernandez, has been has been shy of legal troubles as he and his, uh as he has had his share. Back in 2015, the Trolls rapper 
was charged in an incident involving a 13-year-old girl in his music video. During an interview in 2017, the rapper mentioned that he had no physical contact with the girl, while also denying he was aware that she was a minor. Six Nine also made claim that he was 17 at the time. Although the birth date was listed for him on the complaint against him as well as on the uh, the statement with the police showed the rapper was 18 years old at the time. 6 9 had an interview with the New York Times and he was asked if he felt atoned for his crimes and he responded saying of course. No other celebrity gives back as much as Daniel Hernandez. He then insists that he did he did the same uh he then insists that he did the right thing by turning himself in. They told me a part he uh said my whole life felt like it was coming uh crashing down. In the same interview, Six Nine also had previously confessed to harming his ex girlfriend and mother of his oldest son, Sarah. While he claims he does not agree with it, he felt he couldn't lie about it. We did have fights, I admit to all that. The trouble rapper said, My daughter's my daughter's not dumb. She'll see everything on the on the internet. There's a lot of things that we'll have to that we'll have to explain to her. Me and Sarah spoke. I've been seeing my daughter, I've been giving my daughter money. I admit the truth. It's the worst thing ever, but not going to sit here and there and lie to you. He continued, I'm telling you, I did it. I admit to it and I apologize. I uh, I don't owe the world an apology. The person I owe is Sarah, his girlfriend. She got the apology. That's where it matters. All right, so it says right here. During the same NYT uh, interview, 6ix9ine was asked to speak on the view that he doesn't deserve to be a public figure or to be famous. So at this time, 6ix9ine um, is not really that famous. He's more he's more infamous for the things that he has done in the past due to his abusive past. Uh, no, I don't, he responded, but then invokes the rapper Tupac. Was convicted of rape. Is Tupac loved or hated? Love. What's the difference between me and Tupac Shakur? I never caught a rape charge ever. So he's trying to compare his what he's going through to Tupac and say, "Hey, man, still accept me for who I am." But we all know that when it comes to the hip hop community, they feel some kind of way about Tupac Shakur versus how they feel about Six Nine. And that's the difference between I don't think that he'll be fully accepted. You know, it's going to take some while. You know, he still has fans here and there. But it's going to take a long time for people to be, to warm up to him again. When they challenged, when they challenged him on his music, saying Shakur's music was more introspective than 6 9 he begins to play the rapper's troublesome 96 from his phone, proclaiming, it to be one of Shakur's biggest songs. What's the difference between that and Billy? A born leader never leave the crib without my heater. You're telling me he gave back through his art. You're lying to me. You know, he has a point there, you know, saying, look, his lyrics were 
violent like my lyrics. You know, six nine talked about gang banging and and drugs. So yeah, this is a part of hip hop. Everybody know this when you take certain lingo language and you make it a part of the art. It then becomes the art and what it is. The violence, the gang, the drugs, it's a part of the art. He continued on defending the claim that his music is not as versatile as Tupac's or as impactful. And that he only has one kind of record. I got to feed what in 2020 is relevant. The rapper claims I got to feed the masses. There is no difference between me and Tupac. So in a sense, he's right, but in another sense, he's wrong. Uh, Tupac was had numerous albums, uh, movies. He had a great resume of work that he did, a great body of work. 6ix9ine does not have it. Now, the subject is the music, the kind of music in the past is somewhat similar for the cases. The music is somewhat similar, but quite different. But overall, it's still a part of what hip-hop is. In, in order to sell yourself, you have to be in two categories. You have to be the good rapper that's conscious, that is very positive. Or you have to be the rapper that talks about the negative side of things. Game banging, drug dealing, those things. So 6ix9ine and Tupac fall right in that category. Tupac made a song called Brenna Got a Baby which spoke to women who were in, you know, who was pregnant young and who went through a troubled time. But, he, but Tupac also made songs that diss other rappers, like Biggie. So it's, it's all a part of what hip-hop culture is now. It was, it's both positive and negative. Yeah, your music can be impactful or not. 6 9 his impact uh, has been... His, you know, what he has got himself into, his past. So 6ix9ine will always be known as the, the rapper that snitched and ratted on his crew. You know, and he's trying to compare his rape case to what Tupac was. And I get his point, but, you know, he has to be kind of more specific on what, he, what he's saying when he compares himself to Tupac Shakur, you know, in that, in that matter. All right, so the next story, Mike Tyson leaves viewers worried in incoherent interview. All right, so Mike Tyson had fans worried. Um, He did an interview, and he didn't seem like he was 100% okay. Now, Mike Tyson has always been that very outspoken boxer who said strange things, and it leaves people concerned. You know, he has had their reputation as, as always been that guy who was very intimidating. Um, but then he had the very softer side of him. Well, during the interview, Mike Tyson showed um, some signs of him being incoherent. And this caused a concern for a lot of people. So in this article, it says uh, Mike Tyson uh, said... Tiredness was the reason for a bizarre appearance on Good Morning in Britain that left some viewers questioning if he was high on drugs, others concerned for his well-being. And you know what's crazy is that as much as Mike Tyson has been through and did, he is still loved by a lot of people. 
on an endless uh, promotional tour ahead of his return to the ring, Tyson was incoherent and hard to watch as he mumbled um, his way through an interview with host Pierce Morgan and Susanna Reed. I just want I just want to do this. I plan on doing this for a charity. Tyson began one response, and I think I'm capable of doing that, and that's what I want to do. Tyson is 54 years old, has put his body through a punishing training regimen to lose 130 pounds. And if, if you see Mike Tyson now, he looks very good, you know, for his age. And he's and he's doing this to prepare for this fight with uh, Roy Jones Jr. next month. The former heavyweight champion said it was late night exhaustion that led to his series of uh, slurred answers. Hey, mate, I tried to stay up. Uh, late for interview but fell asleep and like a line I'm hard to wake up once asleep Tyson tweeted to Morgan training hard and going to bed early I had uh, no monitor so I couldn't see you guys and forgot to look into the camera no problem champ Morgan replied we could uh, see you were a bit weary it was late very late in, in, in LA and he said I appreciate the message um from the viewers there who were concerned. So the viewers were absolutely concerned with uh, Mike Tyson and because they saw the interview and they didn't know if he was okay. Uh, but if you have not seen the interview, you can go look it up online and um, see, the, see the interview Mike Tyson completely, you know, he looks like he's out of it, you know, in, in the interview. And, um, but fans were concerned with his well-being and Tyson was just saying, look, man, I'm just tired, you know, um, through this training and what I'm going through, you know, you know, um, it's very difficult. You know, Pierce Morgan understood this, you know, but uh, hopefully Mike Tyson, you know, he next month, you know, once he gets in the ring, he still shows signs of the old Mike Tyson. And even Roy Jones Jr., uh, it was a, a article that was published, I think, last month. To where Roy Jones Jr. even said that he was a tad bit concerned and maybe he bit off more than he can chew when he chose to fight Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson is a bigger man. He's explosive. He's very quick. And Roy Jones Jr. has never fought anybody like Mike Tyson in his prime. Now, granted, Roy Jones Jr. is still Roy Jones Jr. of old. You know, he's still very quick, great reflexes. You know, good defense. But how would Roy Jones Jr., how would it go with, once he steps in the ring with Mike Tyson? Now, this is just a expedition fight. So we'll see what happens uh, when Mike Tyson gets in the ring with Roy Jones Jr. But we wish Mike the best and hope that, you know, he gets his rest and, you know, he's he's in good health for this fight, man. And, and fans are actually, from what I'm reading, fans are actually looking forward to the fight. So we'll see what happens. All right, so then the next story is Dallas homicides on track to surpass last year's record-breaking rate. All right, so um, I had read about this a few months ago about the increase of violent crimes and murders in Dallas. Um, this article talks about this. The city of Dallas is on track to surpass last year's record-breaking homicide rate. To date, there have been 178 homicides in Dallas compared to 161 this last year so this year it has increased and not decreased 
The Dallas Public Safety Committee discussed Monday the violent record trends as well as the search for 911 operators and a new police chief. As we all know, um, Renee Hall is, um, is on her way out, who is the current police chief of Dallas, and she's on the way out. Um, at Monday's Public Safety Committee meeting, violent crime trends and growing caseloads were top of mind. During the month of September, there were 488 aggravated assaults and 24 homicides in Dallas. Over the weekend, Dallas police officers responded to five homicides. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. Now, right here, when I was reading, it uh, said that the Dallas Public Safety Committee discussed Monday the violent crimes, trends, as well as the search for 911 operators. So that means there are job openings available. So if you, if you really want to make a change and be a part of the solution, participate. You can become a 911 operator. All right. Our homicide rate is high, and said Dallas Police uh, Assistant Chief Avery Moore. And the reason that's so important to us is because that's our responsibility. So if you live in a city, you never want to have a high murder rate, homicide rate. That's a bad look for the city. Um, and it tells that it's a lot of trouble going on. So we don't want to end up like a Chicago or, D or Detroit. So this is why it's important for people for people to be aware and participate and become a part of the solution. On Friday, James Faith was shot to death while walking his dog with his wife. In a neighborhood along Waverly Place, the gunman who approached on foot was wearing a face covering. He grabbed her, tried to rape, uh, say rape, uh, he grabbed her, tried to tape her wrist while trying to pull her jewelry off her fingers, Moore said. She screamed at which the time the suspect fled. The unidentified man got into a black Nissan pickup truck and took off. Dallas Police Association uh, President Mike Matta shares his concern. We're in a very bad spot, he said. The people expect better. And we need to do better. The Dallas Police Department is in down is down in 911 operators. DPD strive to answer 90% of 911 calls within 10 seconds, which is the national standard. At the public safety committee meeting, data showed up just under 60% of all 911 calls in September were answered within that time. Officers unable to drive city vehicles have been reassigned to assist call center operations. For now, DPD said that it would not impact patrol. That would not impact patrol. The city says it it has streamlined the application and testing process. Several candidates are being interviewed. Five new dispatchers should be on duty by the end of the month. It's very serious. It's very important. This is the uh, the lifeline to people who are in need, people who are in danger. Chief Renee Hall will leave the department in December, in late December. 
The city has selected public sector search and consulting from a list of five firms to help with the search for a new Dallas police chief. The city hopes to have the, that person hired by the end of the year. So again, uh, you never want these stories to pop up of homicide, people getting robbed, aggravated assault, all these things popping up. Uh, it's a bad look for a bad look for the city. The people deserve better. Uh, this is why defunding the police is not a good idea. I read an article about Colin Kaepernick talking about abolishing the police, which is not a good idea. Because how do you deal with things like this to where you have a increase of crime and you need 911 operators? You need officers on in the city to help deal with these crimes. This is why I say defunding the police is something that I cannot grasp. It is not a logical argument. You cannot be independent, independent from the police. It's impossible. The people of the city of Dallas deserve better than this. So again, uh, it has been an increase of crime, homicides. Already right now, it's up more than it was last year. Right here in this article, it says this. The city of Dallas is on track to surpass last year's record-breaking homicide rate to date. There have been 178 homicides in Dallas compared to 161 this time last year. So violent crime trends are growing and is not decreasing. There were 488 aggravated assaults and 24 homicides in Dallas. So this is why I, I cannot get on board when it comes to defunding the police. It just does not make sense to me. Especially when you live in a city with high crime. If you have high crime and less police, you're going to have a bigger problem. So this is not a logical argument. When people make the argument, is I tune them out because it, it does not make sense to me. If someone is educated, I live in Dallas. So I know for a fact that People in Dallas do not want to see this. If you are a taxpayer, if you live here, you work here, you do not want to see an increase of violent crimes. You do not want to see it. All right, so the next story is Ice Cube helped develop a new black Trump platform and fans are calling him out over it. All right, so Ice Cube to me gets a pass and here's why Ice Cube gets a pass. Ice Cube is a well-known actor He's been in films like Boys in the Hood, How You're Learning, Friday. He's, he was a member of the group NWA. So Ice Cube is well-loved, well-respected. So black people will give Ice Cube a pass. And I have seen this already online. Even people who support Joe Biden, black folks, say, well, he was just trying to hear him out and... And he just wants what's best for his people. So Ice Cube is not really a sellout or a, a Uncle Tom or nothing like that. Because Ice Cube didn't fully really, they, they're saying, well, he didn't fully support Trump. But you're sitting down and talking with him. So that's a sign of support that you're willing to talk to him and, and do things that's necessary to help black peoples and this is what i'm saying that we are so emotional 
about every fucking thing. I commend Ice Cube for sitting down with Trump because that's what you have to do. You're going to have to do things you don't want to do in life. If you want to be able to make progress, there's going to be some things in life that you're not going to want to do. Ice Cube proved the point that we are hypocrites, especially the, the older voters, you know, the 40 and, and the 40 and up crowd. These people are the biggest hypocrites I have ever seen. If Ice Cube had been anybody else, he would have got ostracized for it. They would have been in, in a uproar about it. But Ice Cube gets a pass for meeting with Trump and helping him to develop a a uh, a uh, plan. So in this article, Ice Cube worked with Trump's re-election campaign and fans aren't happy to hear it. On Tuesday afternoon, Trump 2020 senior advisor Katrina uh, Person uh, posted a tweet thanking the hip-hop veteran for his willingness to work with Trump administration on the platinum plan. $500 billion package. Now, this is, man, it fucks me up because when I read this and then I see what people are saying online, it's a direct reflection of how emotional these old-ass people are. Again, the 48 up crowd are the, emo the most emotional people I have ever seen. They cry and whine so fucking much. The $500 billion package that will help black communities. The plan is to create 3 million new jobs, push for criminal justice reform, improve access to better education and job opportunities, reduce health care costs, etc., now, from what I was reading, Ice Cube presented the same plan to the Democratic side. And they said, well, we'll talk about this after the election. When he went to the Republican side, they said, oh, yeah, we can do this right now. So the Republicans jumped on it. The Democrats didn't. They said, no, nah, we'll wait. Cube replied, facts. Now, this is what Cube said. Both parties contacted me. The Democrats said we'll address this after the election. The Trump campaign said we'll make adjustment to the plan after talking to you about it. This is what Q said. Ice Cube said this, that when he talked to the Democrats, they said not right now. We'll wait till after the election. The Republicans said no, we'll make adjustments to their plan right after talking to you. The artist actor has made a number of controversial comments suggesting he was unwilling to vote for the Democratic ticket throughout the 2020 race. Now, so what? You don't want to vote for the, the 2020 uh, in 2020 for the Democratic ticket. So what? That's your choice. I'm so sick and tired of black people holding this over people's head as a way to determine your black loyalty. To where if you're loyal to black people, you must vote Democrat, get Trump out. If you don't vote for uh, Joe Biden, you're seen as a, a, a traitor of some sort. In my opinion, that's a form of voter suppression when you determine and dictate and persuade me or influence me to vote Democratic ticket because you don't like Trump. 
and you use this to sometime, uh, somehow measure my black loyalty. Q consistently called on both parties to explain how they will help black Americans. He also called on politicians to sign his contract with black America, which laid out a number of commitments, commitments based on prison reform, bank lending and more. So the Republicans were the only side. So Trump's campaign made adjustments. The Democrats said, not right now. We'll wait till after the election. Q weighed in, in, in the Q weighed in with every side is the dark side for us here in America. They're all the same until something changes for us. They all lie, they all cheat, but we can't afford not to negotiate with whoever is in power. That's what I'm saying. It does not matter if they're Democrat, Republicans. Get out of your fucking feelings. You have to be willing to negotiate. That was that's this is what Dr. King did. He had to negotiate. He had to sit down with a the current president. We are not willing to even do that. But Ice Cube is. Negotiate which who with uh whoever is in power or our condition in this country will never change. Our justice is bipartisan, exactly. Justice in America is bipartisan. It's not one, the Democrats or the Republicans. Both parties have to agree on it. They have to be down with it. That's how it go. But we don't understand it. So when the black person say, I support Trump, other black people who feel some kind of way about Trump get mad. And it's clear that they vote Democrat. And it's always these old-ass people, 40 and up, the old-ass crowd, the main ones. On October 11th, the 51-year-old rapper reiterated his concerns with the country's current two-party system. Of course, it should not be a two-party system. It's not 1776. It's 2020. It's over 320-something million people in the country. You cannot have a, a two-party system. It's outdated. He once again questioned whether the, the two major parties are truly committed to helping black people. Ice Cube acknowledged the backlash he received for refusing to endorse, again, Joe Biden and Harris. So he can't even have his opinion and say, look, man, I don't rock with either one of them. However, it has to be bipartisan and we have to be willing to negotiate with whomever to better our condition, to get justice. It has to be bipartisan. This is what Ice Cube said. So people got mad at Ice Cube because he didn't endorse Joe Biden and Harris. I've had people get mad at me for not endorsing Joe Biden and Harris. And suggested the Democrats were talking, were taking the black vote for granted, which they do all the time. He went on to say he had been in contact with the Democratic and Republican leaders and emphasized he did not trust any of them. No president has done right by us, he said in a video, so I don't trust none of them. Putting our hopes and dreams behind any of them just don't work. I've been making contacts with them, trying to talk about these real issues straight up, but I believe the Democrats have been nice. I don't really see them pushing their policies in a different direction. Of course, 
He added the Democrats recruited every black celebrity. Yes, they did. And shit on the team. So they. So they just figured I tell Ice Cube to shut up. Tell Ice Cube to shut the fuck up and vote. I ain't going to do that. I'm going to push the program. So my hat is off the Ice Cube for doing his part in trying to help. And understand it, look, man, this is bipartisan. It's not just one side. And that's the thing about black people. Stop thinking it's just one side. It is bipartisan completely. So he continued. We also met with the Republicans. They, they moved their agenda a lot because of what we said. They put 500 billion on the table. 500 billion but who knows what's, what's really going to happen I just don't know one of them is going to win I just know one of them going to win so either Trump or Biden going to win and I don't know if it really matters to us it does not matter to us if Joe Biden wins or Trump I don't think it truly matters to us I don't think it does I just don't because when Obama was in office, we were asleep for eight years. When Trump won, we woke up. So I would rather for us to be awake and alert and aware. The only reason why it's been a large turnout is because of who's in office, Donald Trump. And that's a good thing because Donald Trump is in office. It has prompted us to act in a sense of urgency. So we have acted in a sense of urgency because we see Donald Trump as a danger and we want him out. So it has been a very large voter turnout. And it's all because of who's in office. So having Donald Trump in office has done some good because in a sense it has awakened us. It has pushed us to somewhat unite, but we are still completely divided. You can tell because of People got mad at Ice Cube for not backing Joe Biden Harris. He was just voicing his opinion about it, and he couldn't even have that. But Ice Cube is not 100% wrong. News of Ice Cube alleged involvement in the Platinum Plan sparked criticism as many labeled the entertainer, of course, as sellout, a manipulator. Some Twitter tweeters used to slam him for not being completely transparent about his work with the Trump administration claimed his previous comments gave the false impression he was unwilling to support either party. This is what Roland Martin said, which Roland Martin to me is one of those old guys too. 40 and up crowd that's in the fucking way. The Trump platinum plan is the aluminum foil plan. I have read Ice Cube's contract with Black America. And there is nothing in Trump's plan that is similar. Nothing. So at least Ice Cube was willing to talk and sit down with the guy and negotiate. Hey, this is what we need. Now, I disagree with celebrities being the spokesperson. I disagree. But like Ice Cube, like Kanye West, they had the, the balls to go sit down and talk with the guy. You don't have to like the guy. Talk to him. That's the whole point of getting what you want from the politician. 
This is what we don't understand. Stop thinking it's personal all the fucking time. Get your ass in there and talk to him. Dr. King did it. If we want any change in America, it's going to have to be bipartisan. You cannot expect the Democratic Party to do anything for you. And that's just that's just how it is. Stop thinking the Democratic Party is going to ju is just on them. No, you better be able to talk to who's in office right now. But great job, Ice Cube, for sit uh, for being able to sit down with with them and talk to them, despite the criticism and the backlash. But Ice Cube gets a pass. People are now like Roland Martin has changed his tone already. Well, he was just trying to talk to him, and he wants what's best for the country. Before he called it, oh, is that ain't no no platinum pl uh, plan. It's the aluminum foil plan. But now he has changed his tone. Why? Because this is Ice Cube. Every black person in America loves Ice Cube. He's no sellout. Like I said, he's going to get a pass. It's going to prove that further these same people that bashed him are going to turn around and love him again. And it shows how we are hypocrites. And again, that 40 to 50 year old crowd. And older are hypocrites. They are in the way. They are blocking progress. They want it their way. And they don't understand because they're so emotional and whining, bitching, and cry so much about everything, including this. But good job, Ice Cube, for being able to sit down and talk and have some fucking sense. All right, so the next article, it says our goal is is record black voter turnout to fire Trump and save black lives. All right, so this article is a an example of fear mongering, using fear to persuade the voters. No different than what Trump is doing. Exact same thing. Our goal is record black voter turnout to fire Trump and save black lives, according to the NAACP president now i said this online the other day and a old head got mad at me an old ass dude got mad because i said that trump is the danger he's always like the devil he's viewed as a horrible person and joe biden is the white savior that's going to save black lives and this guy got mad and got emotional about it so we had a back and forth for a second. And then he went the route of trying to tough talk me online. Which is, is a man is not acceptable. Because in real life, that's not acceptable. Because you would never in real life say to an individual what you said to them online. You just ain't going to do it. You don't have the heart to do it. It ain't in you. So you'll say it online. But not in real life. Anyway, this guy got mad. Because I said that Joe Biden is a white savior that's going to save black lives. Now, in this article is very biased in the way it's worded. It says this, instead of focusing on the many crises devastating the black communities right now, and although voters are already casting ballots, Republicans are rushing to confirm Amy Coney, 
bear it to the Supreme Court. Once again, President Donald Trump and his enablers are showing us that they prioritize power and party over the American people. There is simply too much at stake for our community not to mobilize in record numbers during the next three weeks and elect politicians who will listen to power and empower black voters. Now, I want to add this to this real quick. The younger voters' voice is not as relevant as the older people. They tend to ignore the, the younger voters, the younger generations, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick and tired of the older voters making their voice try to be louder and more important than the younger voters. Just, just going to say that. The 2020 election will be one of the most consequential elections of our lifetime. And this is also for black Americans. The, again, this is where it gets very fear-mongering. The global pandemic has revealed the continued existence of historic inequality and long-standing policies that affect the black community. Very hard. Black people are dying at rates higher than other proportion of the population and have less access to quality health care. Black, unemplo black unemployment, unemployment is nearly twice as high as the white unemployment rate. Black renters are nearly as twice as likely as white renters to be evicted. Despite these glaring disparities and rising national death toll, the president has given himself an A-plus for his handling of the pandemic. Trump has a major ego. So, of course, he's going to make himself seem like he's the king. Not only is the black community living in perpetual fear of the death of COVID-19, of course, like everybody, if you have heart disease, if you have an underlying health condition, you're at risk. Black people lead the, uh, lead the nation in bad health. Black people are also living with the fear of losing their lives at any given moment while engaging with the police officers. Fear mongering. While black death at the hands of law enforcement, that's very that's very deep right there. Black death at the hands of law enforcement office, officers is not a new phenomenon. The veil has been lifted on fatal police brutality, has made it impossible for the country to sweep it under the rug any longer. Of course not, because you got cell phone now. The acts of violence that killed Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Floyd, Breonna Taylor has sparked massive protests and a growing demand for public safety in this country. The president responded to these legitimate calls to address systematic racism in our criminal justice system by calling peaceful protesters thugs and encouraging more violence against black people, which he never did. Trump is using every possible tool in his arsenal to undermine our democracy as if people, citizens, don't play a role in undermining our democracy. We do. Voting by mail is safe and secure way to exercise in our fundamental right during a pandemic, yet the Trump administration is a mounting a partisan attack on the Postal Service to undermine its voting by mail. 
Furthermore, Trump's appointees are doing whatever they can to ensure that voter suppression is being upheld by the courts. Now, this is what the NAACP said. NAACP goal is aimed for the record black turnout. It's time to fire the politicians who, who have failed and elect the ones that truly have our back. This is why in 10 states, the NAACP has launched phase two of our black voice changed lives, a historic effort to increase black voter turnout. The campaign is recruiting community members to encourage uh, black voters to cast ballots this fall. But it's only the way that we think you should be persuaded to vote Democrat. This is what they're saying. Vote Democrat. Don't vote Republican. We want Trump out. According to the Pew Research Center, black voter turnout declined in 2016 for the first time in 20 years, falling to 59.6%. This is after reaching a historic high of 66.6 in the 2012 election. The goal of our new campaign is to increase black turnout by more than 5% points compared to 2016. Between now and Election Day, put your plan together to vote. Make sure you are a registered voter. If you are going to vote early by mail, know what you need to do to ensure your vote is counted. If you are voting on the Election Day, take your mask, bring your ID, a chair, and food if necessary. However you vote, you cannot and must not allow anyone to turn you away. It's that simple. However you vote, that's all you have to say. Don't persuade me or dictate me or get mad because I say if I support someone else over the other. Just vote. That's the whole point of voting. Exercise your right to vote. But that, that, that does not include someone else's right to dictate your vote. There is too much at stake in this election for black people in our community. As if Donald Trump is, is the sole reason why it's so much issues in, in the black community in the past four years all of a sudden. It's not just Donald Trump and Joe Biden on the ballot. It's a decision about what kind of country we want. Whenever these feel daunting, remember that John Lewis, Justice Ruth Bader, and countless others fought until their dying breath to make our country live up to its ideas of fairness and equality. The least we can do is honor them is vote. Our lives depend on it. Now, they always say certain things like this. Our lives depend on it. Stop saying that. You cannot say it. However you vote, you cannot and must not allow anyone to turn you away. But then say our lives depend on it. what you're saying is, look, vote Democrat. We want Trump out. That's what you're saying. People can exercise their right to vote however they want to vote. Stop trying to dictate that. And that's what I, I dislike about these older people, these old heads, 40 and up crowd. They're old. They're in the way. They're blocking progress. Stop trying to appeal to the older voters all the time with these old ass politicians like Harris and 
and Biden. At some point, they're going to get tired of the same old, same old thing, and they're going to want a younger face in there. And I believe that's where we're heading to eventually. You see a divide between the old crowd, the young crowd. Among black people is the young and the old. It's the men and the women. It's a great divide. Who do you vote for? Again, you saw the Ice Cube. They jumped on him because he didn't back Joe Biden or Harris. So you're seeing a complete divide in the black community over who you should vote for. So a ideology. Who do you want to vote for, Democrat or Republican? It's a complete divide. All right, so next article, uh, Twitter suspends accounts for posing as black Trump supporters. All right, so in this article, it talks about a company uh, report spamming platform manipulation by accounts containing identical language. Now, at the very bottom of the article, it says Twitter rules prohibit you prohibit using the platform in a manner intended to artificially amplify or suppress information or engage in behavior that manipulates or disrupts people's experience on Twitter. A Twitter spokesman told The Guardian of uh, the company reports campaigns discovered to be state-backed in its public archive. This month, it revealed it has suspended more than 1,500 accounts affiliated with Iran, Cuba, Thailand, and Russia that has sought to spread misinformation. It did not say where it believed the network of people posing as black Trump supporters originated or whether it was state backed so here's the issue social media as a platform is can be used to manipulate people to persuade them influence them to swing one away either democrat or republican so you're seeing a divide between people uh this is also a form of voter suppression it says Twitter has suspended a network of accounts claiming to be owned by black supporters of Donald Trump and his re-election campaign due to spam and platform manip manipulation. It said on Tuesday, the company is investigating the activity and may suspend additional similar accounts if they are found to be violating its policies, a spokesperson said. The Washington Post, the Washington Post first reported on the investigation citing more than a dozen accounts using identical inauthentic language, including the phrase, yes, I'm black and I'm voting for Trump. A review of some of these suspended accounts show that they often use stolen images to appear real. The accounts sometimes claim to be owned by veterans of the armed forces or members of law enforcement. This is not the first time Twitter had to address a spam operation claiming to be led by black voters. So it seems that people know, man, it's a great divide when it comes to American politics. Black and whites are divided. Even among white people, they are divided between who they should vote for. Among black people, we are divided between who we should vote for. So people use this to manipulate you to swing one way or the other. And this is the interference, you know, that people always talk about voter suppression. Yes, it's true. But when social media is used as a platform to engage people, to talk about politics, 
you can then influence people to change their minds on who they support. This article talks about, you know, these accounts being suspended because it was very suspicious that they had the same identical language in what was said. It says we're here. Um, this is not the first time Twitter had to address spam operation. Some accounts were able to attract a thousand followers before they were suspended. One tweet, for example, amassed more than 10,000 retweets before it was removed. Poll show uh, poll shows up to 10 percent of black voters in the U.S. support Trump. These accounts raise suspicion for the identical language and stock images. So these stolen images. So whenever you have social media, it gives people a avenue to where they can be a supporter of Trump or Joe Biden and, and or influence people. And this is where not just people say, well, Trump is undermining democracy. This also directly affects democracy. Because we are made to believe we don't have a choice but to choose one or the other. And it's not that way. We do have choices. We can choose. If we really want a third or fourth candidate, a party, like if you vote straight down and you vote um, libertarian, you can. So you don't have to be manipulated, but this is a, an example of the length people will go in how these social media platforms are more controlled than what we think. You know, you don't have fully free speech. It's free speech, but it's monitored, it's watched. You know, you have to be very careful what you say. It's like Bill Burr on SNL. He's a comedian. He said what he was saying, but people got offended by it. Yes, it's free speech, but it's limited free speech. You just can't say anything you want to without backlash. Like Ice Cube got backlash for, you know, associated with Donald Trump and having a conversation with him, with his administration. So when you look at like Twitter for an example, having to suspend accounts because it has similar language and images that look fake you know for a fact that people around the world are watching what's going on in our country right now and they're very interested in what's happening and it's so easy to use social media to manipulate people and coerce them it's very easy and this is why i named this podcast vote or die and plus a clause because with us with voting we tend to use like it said coded language you know uh the language is very identical it is not authentic language we use code words we tend to hide our true feelings and our thoughts you know it's a way to disassimilate from what how we really feel and we do it all the time. And especially among black people. You know, we we support voting, but it's with a clause. Don't openly support Trump. If you do, you can do it in secret. But don't do it openly. 
vote or die means we have to vote for the candidate that we all know we should vote for, that we should vote for, at least we think. Or you die. No, you ain't finna die because you didn't vote. It's your choice. You know, the, the clause is pretty much this. You can vote. Uh, if you vote Republican, just don't tell me you, you did. Because then I will feel some kind of way about you. That's the clause. It's control. Even on social media, in our personal lives, you got people that want to control how you vote and who you vote for. It's with, see, voting is with a clause. You can exercise your right to vote, but it comes with a clause. Just don't say it publicly because then people will feel some kind of way about you. And that's how I see it very clearly. And I have an issue with this because, as I said before, the older voters, 40 and up crowd, are in the fucking way. They're blocking progress to where they try to manipulate or control other people's the way they vote or they shame you for it for not voting the way that they voted for. So among black people, it's a divide between ideas, the old and the new, uh, the men and the women. It's a great divide. So and, and I'm be I would be so glad when this is over with. Because quite frankly, this is the truth. I don't care who wins. I know for a fact that my vote is a popular vote. Yes, my vote counts, but it's just a popular vote. That's it. I am not directly responsible for selecting the next president, and you are not neither. That's the job of the Electoral College. It's around, I believe, 538 electors, the elected officials, whatever, and then you need 270 votes to win. We are not responsible for this. You know, this is just a great pony show. It's for entertainment. You know, so uh, voting for us, it comes with a clause. If I don't vote, I'm not going to die. I don't feel like my life is in danger as a black man if, if I don't vote. I've never felt that way. It's a way to fearmonger people, to get them riled up. No different than what Trump is doing. The Democrats are doing the exact same thing. Ice Cube voiced the same, his opinion, the same way that I am right now. It's the exact same way. If you don't vote, it's your choice. You know, you don't vote. But don't make voting for me come with the clause. Oh, yeah, you can vote. However, make sure you vote for Joe Biden. And if you do vote for Trump, don't tell me you did. Because then I shame you for it. I will be glad when it's over with. November can't come faster enough. And if Trump does win... I'm going to enjoy the the look on people's faces when he does. If Joe Biden wins, I'm going to enjoy the fact that if he's in there for four years, he ain't going to do shit for black people and they went to bat for him. I'm going to really enjoy that and I'm going to throw it in people's faces. Because I know that based on my wisdom, my knowledge and, and experience that I know things. I see things for what it is. I see through the bullshit. So again, I can't if Trump wins, I can't wait to see the look on people's faces when he does, especially black people. And if Joe Biden wins, I can't wait 
when the four years passed by and those same black folks that went to bat for him and, oh, man, vote Joe Biden, vote Harris, and they will ignore you. They don't care. Ice Cube even said it that when he talked to the Democrats, they told him, well, we'll, we'll discuss this after the election. So in other words, we ain't going to do shit anyway for you. Trump and his people said, look, man, we talked about this, about what we're going to do right after we talked. And here is $500 billion on the table. So in my opinion, it don't matter, Democrat or Republican, it, it don't even matter. Your actions mean a lot more than what you say. And that's a fact, Jack. So this is my podcast. Uh, no one watches regular news no more podcasts. I'm your host, Kerry Bogle. I will, I will be back with episode 16 real soon. Y'all have a nice day.